Welcome to Calling All Bank Directors. What does your board and management need to know about planning for a sale of your bank? David Barris, president of the American Association of Bank Directors, will be calling Dave Martin to help answer this question. Dave has had a distinguished career in banking, first with Mellon, then with investment banks, including Sandler O'Neill. He has been involved in numerous bank deals. He is also a key advisor to the American Association of Bank Directors on bank mergers and acquisitions. He serves as an independent, non-fee-based advisor to banks which are contemplating a sale. He is retained before the bank retains an investment banker so that a bank will obtain an objective perspective from someone not vested in whether a transaction is consummated. We welcome any questions or suggestions you might have. David Barris's email is d barris at aabd.org. All right, let's call Dave. Dave, I know you've worked with many banks in developing their strategic plans. And when you and I were chatting recently, we both felt that the current environment may cause some changes in those plans. Would you like to elaborate? Gladly. Uh, As you and I both know, Every bank has a strategic plan, or they should, and many of those plans have a section they call strategic options. Uh, That section is for considering major changes like uh, entering a new market or a new line of business, that sort of thing. I've seen banks include sale of the bank as a strategic option, and it is a legitimate option, but then in their discussions, they quickly rule it out. But my guess is that today, more community bank boards are thinking seriously about selling, but they probably won't put it in their strategic plan because they're not ready to discuss it with management. Why do you think more banks are considering selling? Well, you and the podcast listeners probably can make a better list of reasons than I can, but those lists would include certainly Uh, thinner margins, uh, more intense regulation, for sure, new types of competition, which gets a lot of attention, and new bank competitors, and now increasingly one that I'd add add to the list, which is changes in their local market structure. Dave, can you expand on that last one, changes in local market structure? Well, sure. It's, It's probably simpler than it sounds. I'm talking about changes in the buyer-seller ratio. How many potential buyers of our bank are out there and how many banks are out there that we could conceivably buy? I think this analysis is going on in many CEOs' heads all the time. It's something they like to talk about. But what what I've noticed is that sometimes no bell rings. I can give two examples, two banks I worked with. One was a very small bank that had performed adequately for a century, I think, but was finding it increasingly difficult to grow and to generate an acceptable return. Uh, That's a familiar story. So they began to consider selling the bank. It's a tough decision for a family-owned bank. They had always assumed that one or more of those neighboring larger community banks would be buyers. What they hadn't realized, or at least they hadn't focused on, was most of those banks, those potential buyers, had disappeared. 
and that the little bank was now surrounded by branches of much larger banks that simply weren't interested in acquiring a much smaller bank. After much effort, the story ended well, I'm happy to say, when one of those much larger banks decided that acquiring our client was a better way to enter that market, the client's little market, than by branching. So they bought the bank. The opposite happened to another bank we worked with. It was a good performer in an attractive market, and they asked us to help them with their strategic planning. And as part of that, we prepared what I was just talking about, a simple buyer-seller analysis. And what the analysis showed was that all of their realistic acquisition targets, all of the banks that they could have bought, had disappeared. There were simply no banks out there in a, in a realistic market area that they could buy. My guess is that the CEO already knew that, but he probably just wanted to have a third party say it in front of his board. Probably nobody wanted to bring it up. That realization or their acceptance uh, of the situation will let them single-mindedly concentrate on selling the bank and, importantly, to prepare for selling the bank, which is uh, a major a major task. You have to wonder how that can happen. How can executives be surprised by such a basic change in their market? My impression is that all bankers in every market are always keenly interested in mergers in their market. We know that. But in those two cases I just described, the banks simply hadn't focused on their changed market, or maybe they hadn't admitted all those individual transactions among other banks impacted them directly. All of those deals changed their buyer-seller ratios. It bring, brings to mind that familiar image of the frog in a pot of water that is slowly getting hotter. Uh, I won't repeat the story. Thank you for that, Dave. Uh, so how does this affect the planning process? Well, as I said a minute ago, for obvious reasons, CEOs don't like to talk about selling the bank with managers. Uh, they're, they're executives who are involved in the day-to-day -day management of the bank. Uh, that discussion is a board-level topic, at least in the early stage, and the, bur the burden really falls on the CEO to bring it up with the board. If the board and the CEO think there's a good chance, this is hard for them to acknowledge sometimes, but a good chance that the bank should be sold in, in one, two, or three years, the CEO, either alone or if he has the right kind of board with the board, he can answer these basic questions. First and most obvious is, what action should we take now to increase earnings and the value of the bank in the short term? A pretty obvious question. Secondly, what actions are we planning or considering that we think would add value in the long term but would actually reduce the bank's earnings or its sale value in the short term? Uh, I'm sure everybody can think of those. Um, a, a major de novo branch would be one of those items. Um, executive level hiring would be one of those items. Also, what actions can we take that will eliminate unnecessary complexity in a possible near-term sale? What am I thinking about? Uh, you can probably add to this list, but litigation, certainly, uh, 
or an unresolved regulatory issue, things that could be put off if we weren't considering sales of, of the bank, but things that we wouldn't want to have uh, available for some uh, potential buyer to see in due diligence. Um, and then finally, what actions can we take to improve the bank's curb appeal? I, I hope you're going to ask me what I mean by curb appeal. Okay, uh, I will. Uh, what's curb appeal? Well, I think you know it's the same as selling a house. Is the house immediately attractive as seen from the street? In the case of a bank, it's numbers. But it's not all numbers. You and I have been in enough due diligence examinations representing buyers to have seen matters that the seller could have or should have fixed before we got there, but he hadn't. The simple advice to a seller is to remember that in due diligence, the buyer or the buyer's representative will see everything, and the buyer's impressions are important. How about an example of that? Well, uh, this one's a little bit tender, but it's always been my understanding that third parties aren't supposed to see the seller's regulatory examination. But as you and I know, the buyer always sees it. And if the seller has a petty issue with an examiner and for that reason hasn't cleared up an exception, that nuance won't be known to the buyer who will just see it as an unaddressed exception. The the buyer will wonder what else hasn't been fixed. Here's another example, credit files. You can tell I've I've been in (laughs) credit for a long time. What impression will the seller's credit files have on the buyer, and more specifically on the buyer's valuation of the seller's loan portfolio? A profitable, profitable and collectible loan can look weak when viewed from a poorly maintained or, worse than that, an out-of-date credit file. I guess I should add board minutes. The buyer will see them in due diligence. Are we, ha- are we happy with everything in our minutes? I doubt it. They should be reviewed, and if necessary, I think I can't think of a better term, they should be cleaned up. Here's another example of a, uh, a client of mine experienced a sad one. A bank that relies on an outside data processor, as many small banks do, usually has to sign a multi-year contract for the service. If an unplanned sale of the bank happens in the second year of a seven-year contract, that will reduce the value of the bank by the size of that penalty. It's tough, and I've seen it happen. It's important, if you think the bank's going to be sold in one, two, or three years, to think of that when you're signing a new contract with a provider. Timing is the problem in, in every one of these cases because there's so little time. When the CEO and the board believe the bank should be sold, there's usually not much time and shouldn't be between the decision to sell and the sale. If the bank has hired an investment banker to manage the sale, things will happen very, very, very fast, and they should. So there won't be much time for planning once the sale decision has been made. And that's as it should be because, as you and I know, Delay is the enemy of a deal. That's why some advanced planning of the type I've just described is essential. Dave, uh, I have one more question. 
uh, typically when a bank needs help on an acquisition, it will turn to an investment banker as, as it should. But most investment bankers charge a success fee. If a deal is consummated, they earn a good fee. If the deal is not consummated, they don't. I'm reminded of Warren Buffett saying that never ask a barber whether you need a haircut. In other words, the investment banker might have a bias in favor of encouraging a deal, even when it may not be entirely warranted. Dave, are there independent sources for expert advice on the merits of a transaction before the bank commits to an investment banker? Sure. I think um, what you're really asking, is there is there a role for a second opinion um, for two reasons? First, is the decision to sell a good decision? And secondly, how do you prepare for sale and, frankly, prepare for the investment banker? Because as we both know, when an investment banker becomes involved, they move very quickly, as they should, because delays are the enemy of a good deal. So things will happen very fast once an investment banker is is hired, uh, and that's the way it should be. But you may want to take steps to prepare yourself for the investment banker and to maybe get a second opinion on whether sale is a good idea. Well, Dave, thanks for that useful presentation. I'm sure listeners who have questions can email you. Dave's email is Dave underscore Martin, M-A-R-T-I-N, at earthlink.net. 